All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download their new Booster Juice rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Good morning, Spec. Beautiful day in the Big E, baby. Hey. Hockey game tonight. Life's good, man. You know what's going to be 10 or 11 or 12 degrees on the weekend? I know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, guy has to tee it up again one more time at Terra Pines, no? <laughs> you're going to Terra Pines for the... You're bringing your dog again? Yeah, why wouldn't a guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... You'll be on the road, though. Some guys golf with their buddies, some guys golf with their wives, mm-hmm. and you golf with your dog. I wow. what that says about you. <laughs> Smart. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> but you'll be going on the road. I, You know, it would be nice to get out there. It's just, you know. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm going out with the oil, which is uh, should be fun. A lot of travel lately, but yeah. this is the last of it. So, um, yes, Tampa, the Oilers will leave Thursday for Tampa probably have a nice practice Friday and a game Saturday and then they go Florida Carolina Washington not an easy trip no do you uh, would you leave Friday or how is it going to work for you I'll go Thursday as well okay. so it's a full you know yeah. with I mean it's a long ways away Tampa man Oof. it's a long, it's a full day to get to Tampa so you want to wake up and be ready to uh, be at a practice the next day so I'll go Thursday and it's an afternoon game on Saturday yeah, that's I I made note of that. So, and and uh, another one I, Thursday. Yeah, a couple of day games. It's I like day Sorry, games. Friday. The orders, the orders aren't uh, their historic record in day games isn't strong because they don't play mm-hmm. many of them. But uh, you know what? There's no time for excuses for this team. Daytime, nighttime, morning. Mm-hmm. Whatever they better, they got to win hockey games here. So you've been on the road a lot, many times over the years during American Thanksgiving. That's what this one is. So yeah. Thursday will be a day off down there somewhere, and then Friday's the afternoon game in Washington. What's it like down there when you're covering an NHL team around that period of time in the states? It's it's a bad idea. That's what it is. <laughs> you know what? Traveling in the states on that week is for the dumb. Um, <laughs> So I'm out there on Thursday. <laughs> oh. I'll be honest with you. I, told, I When I looked at the schedule in the summer, the first thing, having been traveling for a while, the one, that's the first trip I said oh. to my boss, I don't think we should do this trip because I don't want to be on the road to, during American Thanksgiving. For those who aren't aware, uh, American Thanksgiving, the, travel, the airports are busier than Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger holiday where more people return home to see their families Thanksgiving than Christmas in the States. Mm-hmm. So it is the busiest travel time of the year. Uh, but then the Oilers uh, did what they did, and uh, my boss convinced me that we better be with this team. They got a new coach. They, mm-hmm. They're desperate times. We can't be out, let them be out there without us. And So here I go, buddy. Uh, wish me luck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so at practice yesterday it was uh, the first, well, I guess, first practice, not a morning skate for head coach Chris Knobloch. It was upbeat, uh, high tempo. They had some good battle drills. At the end, the thing I noticed, guys were smiling, and that's not that had nothing to do with the new head coach, I don't think, but more the fact that you won two games in a row. So I think the Oilers are starting to get a little bit back, a little bit of their mojo back. Having said that, the two wins were over Seattle and New York Islanders. So what do you make of what this team is kind of looking at right now moving forward? Well, this is, uh, you know, they really, really need to sustain this thing. This is... 
you know, it's kind of ironic because hockey players are wired not to look past the next game and take care of what we're doing today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. That's every hockey coach, every hockey team, that's what they do. But there is a big picture around the Oilers that, Mm -hmm. you know, just winning two in a row, I mean, they basically have to win two out of every three the rest of the year. So it's, it's very difficult not to think big picture here. And, you know, they need to grab a win over Seattle at home because it's going to get tougher trying to play Tampa, Florida, and Carolina on the road, right? Those are three tough road cities. And if you lose at home to Seattle, you got to, that's going to put more pressure on you mm-hmm. to win a far tougher game on the road, a day game, way out in Florida, all those things. So uh, this game's there's a little gravity around this game, man. It's, if this team's really on a roll, if they've really found themselves, if they really got something going, we'll see that tonight. Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet, with us on Sports 1440. A lot of text coming in for us this morning, Speck, regarding Jack Campbell's play in Baco. Last night gave up five goals. The last one that I saw was a real stinker from the short side. He's got an 819 save percentage in the games down there. Baco outshot the Calgary Wranglers last night, 42-27, lost 6-3. Wow. Uh, again, that is the that's the right word there, Spec. Wow, I, I mean this guy. I mean, if he doesn't find his game down there, I don't think he finds his career anymore. It could be done. What are the Oilers going to do here? Well, what can you do? You know, what can mm-hmm. you do? There's there's two options to do. Like, let, I mean, there's several options. A, he miraculously finds his game and comes up and helps you win. Okay, that's you you put a percentage on that happening. Assuming if let's let's be go to the dark side and say he doesn't find this game, there's two options. You find a a, a a team with that's trying to get to the cap floor. You make a trade and they buy him out, yeah. and you have to give up assets to make that happen, or you buy him out and then you have to give up cap space to make that happen. Right, so it's not pretty. Either option is lousy. Nobody wants a five million dollar player who can't play in the league. So there's no there's no happy ending here, pal. Um, it's a bad contract for a guy. You know, the argument was never can Jack Campbell play in the league. The argument was is Jack Campbell a legit number one starter? Mm-hmm. And it's very fair those people who said I never thought he was. They were right. He's not. But nobody saw right. Even the worst Jack Campbell detractor. Nobody saw a guy that can't play in the A. Come on. <laughs> the the best stretch he had in Toronto was one of the few times that the Maple Leafs had a pretty good defensive core in front of Jack Campbell. So he still has plenty of time. The good thing, and we spoke about it yesterday, you and I spec about the fact that the Oilers have sort of a, a kind of a checkerboard schedule here moving up to Christmas. So only one back-to-back before the Christmas holiday, the Christmas break, and that's at the very tail end so there's an opportunity here and you know Stuart Skinner is going to carry the load but we will see Cal Pickard Chris Knobloch was asked that yesterday uh, in the scrum and still kind of you know he's in a whirlwind stage here so I don't think that's one of his <laughs> one of his main main concerns uh, no. right now so I know it's an interesting time in the sense that yeah Stuart Skinner had he's had three pretty good games really when you think of it just fine. He's stopping, you know, he's letting in one a night. Don't, you know, don't critique the one. 
right? Yes. When a goalie lets in one, I don't care if he lets it in from center ice. He let in one both nights. Who cares how it goes in? And I'm not telling you they were bad goals. They were both excellent mm-hmm. goals. And he's playing really well. So, listen, he's young. He's not overtaxed this year. They're playing every second night. I don't know why we're all so worried about playing stupid every know. night. I don't. Play him every night. Yes. Again, there are no back-to-backs for another five weeks, so let him go. Connor Brown yesterday skated spec. Looked pretty good. Had some pep in his step. Uh, stayed out even a little later and continued to work on his game, trying to get back in the lineup. Uh, we all know what game number 10 is. So what do you see for Connor Brown here in the immediate future? Well, I mean, first of all, I think we have to put to rest this game number 10 stuff. Okay. He's playing it. Right? We're only, what are we, 13, 14 games in the season? He ain't sitting out the whole season, folks. <laughs> He's playing the 10th game, okay? So put it to rest. Um, I've, You know what? He really started to find his game the last, I'd say, three games before he got hurt. He's around the puck. He's around the net. He deserved some, something good to happen for him. And like the rest of the orders at that point, nothing. You know, he couldn't mm-hmm. buy a break. But there was a, we're starting to see the player there. I, everybody's panicked on this contract. When it happened this summer, it was pretty clear it was going to take a while for a guy to come back from a – uh, torn ACL. He wasn't going to shine in October, right? So he comes out, he doesn't shine in October, and all these people are freaking out. I, I, I'm the kind of guy that kind of whatever we said in, you know, in August or whenever in July when they signed him, stick with it. And if he can get off the IR and play a little bit, I think there's we're fi- they're fine on this player. I think there's mm-hmm. a player here. Uh, he just needs to get some games in. You know, the first one has to go in for him and. Uh, I think you you sign Connor Brown for the back 40 games this year, a lot more right. than the first 40 games. It's not his fault this team's in the muck. Uh, I think when you need him down the stretch, I, I see a player that's probably going to be there for you. What about the situation with Dylan Holloway? It looks like he's going to be out for an extended period of time, according to uh, head coach Chris Knobloch yesterday. But that, I mean, there's another guy that was just kind of finding his game, kind of getting well, into the swing of things. Yeah, he's been hurt a lot. It's too bad mm-hmm. for him. Bad luck. You know, it looked like he caught some kind of rut and yeah. just slammed into the boards. Uh, you know, sit, talking with Jason last night, like he's, you know, the game's got to slow down for him a little bit, and mm-hmm. it will. Every young player, we've seen a lot of young guys come along who play the game at 200 miles an hour all the time, right? And, you know, generally Holloway's still at the stage where his hands can't keep up to his feet. Um, he's really fast. He plays mm-hmm. really hard. You love all that stuff, but he's also semi out of control some of the time. I don't know if that was the case when he when he hit the boards this time. I'm not going to say. I mean, I just don't know. But he's a young player who probably needs to find a figure out that you know you don't have to go a hundred percent speed all of the time. Save it for when you need it. And unfortunately, he's learning that lesson on the injured list a lot of the time, and that's just a shame because there's a hell of a nice young player there, but he's not going to improve any uh, on the trainer's table. And those are the guys you want. You want the guys where you got to pull the rein back instead of giving them yes, the whip yes. for sure. Absolutely, Kev. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So uh, on this trip, you're going to see Alex Ovechkin on the Friday, the Black Friday. You've seen him play many times. Uh, this is yeah. probably going to be one of the last times that you do see him, but he's off to a slow start. Uh, what are you going to make of, I mean, I'm sure you're going to have an opportunity to, to sit down or have a scrum interview with uh, Ovi. Uh, hopefully. You know? Hopefully. Well, I mean, you did it with Barry Bonds. I mean, Ovi's going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ovi will be a little more enjoyable to talk to if I get a chance. Put it that way. Um, you know what? Like it, it, it reminds. It, he's a guy now. It's like the last few times Nick Lidstrom came through town. It's like the last couple times you saw Tamu Solani play. Just a great, great player. That you know, he's he's a will he pass Gretzky? Who knows? He might. But, you know, honestly, I know it's a cliche, but one day your grandchild's going to say, man, did you ever see that Ovechkin guy play? And you're going to say, yeah, I did. You know, I mm-hmm. remember him teeing it up from that left face-off circle, and everybody knew it was coming, and nobody knew how to stop it. So, you know, he's clearly at the end. Uh, his foot speed is going to become an issue here. It's those last goals that he needs are going to be hard to get because he's moving slower. Uh, but it's, you know what? Like, uh, and I'm not talking politics. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking all that other stuff that I know counts to some people. I'm talking hockey here. And it's an honor to watch Ovechkin play. It's mm-hmm. an honor to be in the same rink with one of the greatest goal scorers in the history of the game. Uh, I, I look forward to being in Washington's rink. And when they get a power play and watching him stand on that dot, man, that's why we're all around the game, isn't it? Oh, I mean, four goals this year. So, yeah, a little bit of a slow start for him. And... Uh, you know, everyone says, you know, is is everything finally catching up to Ovi? And you see, you know, he's got he scores an empty netter, and now he's getting up in that category. And he's got the power play. He's always going to get those power play goals. He's going to get the empty netters. He's at eight twenty six right now. Gretzky eight ninety four. So, do you still think that he will pass number ninety nine? So, what's he need? Seventy. He needs sixty eight, yeah. sixty nine to pass him. Sixty nine to pass. Yeah. Sixty nine goals, man. Yeah. It's like, two full you know, seasons, Remember, right? it's, this is an obvious statement, but this isn't 40-goal Ovechkin anymore. So let's say for fun he's 25-goal Ovechkin. He needs three more seasons of 25 goals. 25 goals ain't easy. I don't care what your name is in this league. It's funny, though, so, you say that, Speck. Okay, so he had 42 last year. Okay. He had 50 the year before. Uh, so I mean, then in the, in the well, season in the season before that, he only had twenty four, but in forty five games. Season before that, forty eight, fifty one. So there, okay. it's just a, I pegged him. I had him for I think I pegged him for thirty eight this year. So if you're telling me that those numbers, then maybe I'm wrong, and he's a, it's two full seasons oh, yeah. of Ovechkin production that'll get him past Gretzky, right? Two full, yep. And then maybe now, a tad. Let's yeah. see. Yeah, what's the decline going to be? How? That's I mean, I think thing. he'll hang around till he does it. Put mm-hmm. it that way. I don't think he's quitting until he passes Gretz. So will he pass Gretzky? I'm going to say yes because I think he's going to stay around, and I think the Caps will keep him around and, until that record is broken. So yeah, he'll pass Gretzky. The only you know the the conversation is how long is it going to take? Mm-hmm. How fast will the decline go? Does he have another 40 in him this year? Or is he going down to 30? I don't know. You know, where's his foot speed? How's his health? Mm-hmm. Like old guys get hurt, you know, father time is undefeated. Uh, let's hope he can stay healthy. I'm absolutely fine with him breaking Gretzky's record. Yeah. He's, he deserves it. And if he doesn't, well, 
You know what? Them's the breaks, I guess. After this year, Specky's got two more years at nine and a half. That's when his contract ends. So, right. But if, if he needs another year to break Gretzky's record, and they'll have him, he'll play for a million bucks, right? And he'll play for nothing for sure. Hey, yeah. Speck, thanks for this. We'll see you down at the rink uh, tonight, and then uh, safe travels. Hey, do you wanna? Are we okay? What's your ske- schedule like for during the week? Uh, oh yeah, it's no good tomorrow. I'm flying at seven thirty. So okay. uh, why don't we do something like at uh, at about quarter to seven? Yeah, we can figure that out. Yeah, okay, I'll text you. Okay, sounds good, Speck. Okay, buddy, have a good one. That's uh, Mark Spector on the mark. Energized by Booster Juice. Uh, Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. Uh, When we come back, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. <laughs> Welcome back to the big program. Time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They're sports fans like all of our listeners, and our Pump Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada back to the program. Dave, uh, just dusting off of what, three, four, 45 pound plates per side on the BP this morning. How are you? <laughs> I love how you have that image of me. It's fantastic. Um, I wish it were true, but it's not. Yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you? Oh, good. I, I mean, maybe you caught the Jonas Brothers reference. Our producer, the Duke of Delburn, went to the Jonas Brothers last night. So he's he's just, you know, he's got a lot of pep in his step this morning. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, I missed that. <laughs> I, I don't. I you, the, the intro music. Yeah. I was like, did Steve Winwood uh, change his voice? Because it was a <laughs> different vibe I was getting there. Well, we kind of been, Grant Fuhrer kind of gave it to the Duke yesterday about going to the Jonas Brothers, so we've kind of been having some fun with it, so. Yeah, well, hey, teach his own. I, I mean, you wouldn't find me there, but hey, <laughs> you do, you do. He's just going, everyone's piling on, everyone's piling on, so. <laughs> uh, so last night, Dave, it was a really good hockey game between Calgary and Montreal. I think uh, everyone in the studio and uh, out, out east enjoyed that. Just your thoughts on that game, kind of watching it uh, in the Sportsnet studios last night. Well, you know, I, I think it was a really important win for Calgary, uh, you know, it was kind of getting maybe back to what they want their identity to be this year, and that's Jacob Markstrom be a world-class goalie and get some balanced offense. Uh, they only scored two goals, but, you know, Mangiapane had one called back on an offside, and they had certainly a lot of good chances. So, you know, a good, tight defensive game. Uh, they allowed a lot of decent scoring chances to Montreal, but Markstrom mm-hmm. was there to shut the door, and you know, I think they feel if they can have goaltending like that on a, on a consistent basis, that they'll have a shot. Um, you know, they didn't get that last year, and for many parts of this year, it's been hit and miss in that. So um, I think for the Flames, they feel good about that. At the same time, I do think, you know, Craig Conroy and his staff have some, some interesting questions. Mm-hmm. We all know, you know, half their blue line is up for free agency. Uh, Elias Lindholm, you know, arguably their top forward is up for free agency. You know, they're now saddled with some pretty hefty contracts for for uh, Huberto, who, again, you know, doesn't seem to be out there on the top power play unit, doesn't seem to be very effective. It, yeah. You know, doesn't look anything like the guy who had 115 points two years ago. Uh, and, and Kadri has, a, you know, a lot of term remaining on his deal as well. So there's some big question marks here. If you're the Calgary Flames, what are you going to do? Um, are you going to, you know, sell, sell, sell? Or are you going to try and keep this group together and and see where it takes you this year. So I'm very interested to see, you know, what happens in the next two, three, four weeks in Calgary and, and which way they decide to go. 
Dave Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Rogers Sportsnet, our guest on Sports 1440 with Brad Tree living in Toronto. We always see that pipeline uh, and all the rumors that seem to get connected between the former GM in Calgary and now in Toronto. Uh, do you feel that a lot more out there? Is it stronger out there, Dave, because of that connection? Well, there's certainly the notion, I mean, everyone, you know, here in Toronto, they need a defenseman, they need a defenseman, they need, you know, that Chris Danev would be perfect, Zadorov wants to leave, you know, mm-hmm. I get all of that. Um, you know, whether there's going to be a match to make those types of deals go through, I don't know. I don't know if the Leafs have what Calgary wants, and I'm not sure there's a massive appetite to, to deal with their former GM. I don't know. I just don't know what the inner workings are. Uh, the Leafs certainly are going to be in the markets you know, for defenseman. I, I can't believe in any way, shape, or form that this will be the blue line that the Leafs hope to take past the trade deadline yeah. and into the postseason. Uh, so there is going to be some movement there, and Calgary certainly has, you know, whether it's Hanif and Zadorov or Tanev, there's some really, you know, intriguing options there. I'm just not sure that the pipeline is going to go, you know, directly from Conroy to to Trey Living, to, you know, in, in a one for, you know, in a deal with those two GMs. Not that there's any animosity there, not at all. It's mm-hmm. just more, sometimes you're always more concerned about dealing with the guy who's the most familiar, you know, with you and, and you know, with the, with the personnel there. So I don't know. There, there's certainly a lot of rumblings, um, but I want to wait and see how it all, how it all unfolds. Dave Amber with us on Sports 1440. A couple injuries last night, and one could have been really serious. Uh, that was the, in the Montreal game. Uh, Caden Gooley from Sherwood Park got the skate up high. Everyone was going, oh, boy, here we go. Uh, what was your thoughts when that happened? Oh, my God. I was, I was in the studio with Jamal Mayers, and we both went, oh, my God. And it looked it looked worse than, you know, he came back, I don't know, 10 mm-hmm. minutes later or something. It could have been bad. It, he was so, so lucky. The, the skate... Uh, a life home skate, you know, kicked up um, on an awkward, you know, collision. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the skate, thankfully, grazed the helmet, grazed the shield, and then grazed his lips and kind of left a little cut in his mouth area. But that was it. You know, he caught he got away with one there yesterday. And it's funny because, you know, Jamal and I were coming in to do some intermission talk, and I said, should we talk about, you know, your role? Because Jamal Mayers was a player's rep for mm-hmm. – nine years in the NHL, right? And he'd be the one who would go to the player rep meetings and then he'd go back to his team and say, here's what we're suggesting, you know, because any type of equipment change has to go through the Players Association. You know, there's a lot of fans who watch the games and go, well, it's obvious they should wear neck guards or it's obvious they should have shields or it's obvious they should have helmets. It's not, it's not that obvious to the players. The players are creatures of habit. Um, you know, a lot of these guys feel indestructible. A lot of these guys, the most important thing to them is to be able to do their job in the most proficient way possible. And if they feel a shield is going to make their vision worse than, than, um, you know, than they want it to be, or if they feel a neck guard is going to make them feel uncomfortable and they're just not going to be as free out on the ice, they don't want to do it. So it's, uh, it's up to the PA to sort of get the, the guys on board and say, look, this is for your own good. We don't have to position it where current players, but we grandfather it in so that, you know, kids in the, in the yeah. WHL and the, in the Q and the O, et cetera, and NCAA, they are wearing the net guards. And then we, you know, we get them to come into our league. It's a natural yeah. progression. So we were going to have that whole conversation, but we was just very thankful that, yeah. um, you know, Caden Gooley didn't get more injured than he did last night. Dave Amber with us on Sports 1440. The other big injury last night, Buffalo's Tage Thompson. It looked like he was seriously injured the first time Dave came back, yeah. but it was the second one. 
Yeah, you know, and we're seeing the puck does a lot more damage than than uh, the bodies in the today's NHL, right? And he got in the lane, and, and a shot caught him, and it looked like it caught him. It's hard to tell. I don't know what you saw, Kevin, but it looked like it might have caught him in that small space between your glove and your uh, and your and elbow your elbow pad. pad. Yeah. You know, the puck can do some serious damage, and we've seen a lot of players. Um, or actually, might have even caught him in the hand. I'd have to take a closer look, but caught him in, in somewhere in that wrist hand area. And you know, he didn't come back. Uh, they already have uh, Alex Tuck, uh, you know, on the shelf, and now you had Tage Thompson. There's a team that probably is going, "Oh my gosh, we're a little bit snake bitten right now." And you know, listen, Buffalo sports fans in general are feeling, you know, pretty mm-hmm. gloomy with what's going on with their Bills. <laughs> and you throw on Buffalo. This was supposed to be the year Buffalo ends that ridiculous, you know, 12 year streak of not making the playoffs and here they are they've buried themselves into a bit of a hole in the Atlantic division which is very tough and now missing two key forwards is, is really tough for Buffalo they're yeah. expecting to have tucked back Friday so that's good news and we're waiting to hear the, the exact synopsis on Thompson but they've said at least a few weeks from what I understand right David Amber Roger Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 Dave how was the Oilers coaching change in your mind received out in Eastern Canada in the Toronto market? What was the reaction in your mind and your perspective from an Eastern standpoint? What happened in Edmonton? Well, I don't know if I can speak for all of Toronto, <laughs> and I will try not to. But, I mean, I, I think, listen, the expectations were sky high, and they continue to be sky high in that marketplace. And when you get off to, you know, you at one point when they lost to San Jose, they were – dead last in the standings, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they had as big a hole as you can have to dig out from under. So uh, you kind of felt like things were going to happen. Uh, yes, they went out on Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada, beat Seattle, but it sounds like the decision uh, to remove Jay Woodcroft had already been made following the loss to San Jose, so there was no turning back. Um, you know, I think I'm a bit curious about how this all shook down because it seems like there's a lot of different variations of what happened here uh, between what you heard from Jeff Jackson, what you heard from Ken Holland, what you're hearing from Connor McDavid, you know, how much input, if any, did Connor McDavid have in this decision? According to Connor, he was completely shell shocked, you know, and like, I didn't know I got a text like the rest of you and found out this happened and he hadn't lost the room and we were still playing hard for Jay Woodcroft, et cetera. Um, you know, but the optics then go, wow, so they, they've added Jeff Jackson, his former agent as the president. Now they've added his former Erie Otter coach. It's, I, you know, this could be, you know, a game of poker and it, it could be going in a bad way, you know, because the optics make it look like Connor's a little bit behind some of these moves and whether he is or whether he's not. And, and I have no idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he is, Dave. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. And yeah. he's saying he's not. And you have to take him at his word. So it just, it's, it's like maybe they're just they're putting all these pillars in place to appease him, but if they're doing it unbeknownst to him, is it having mm-hmm. the, the same uh, impact and result that they're hoping for? Right? Like it just it I don't know. Like that, I think a lot of people I talked to uh, were just like a bit curious. Like, well, who you know? Okay, if they're not if they're not consulting their superstars, um, which you know they certainly don't have to in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. Then it, it just has a it gets this weird feel. And that's not to say Chris Knobloch is not a good coach in his own right. He's won. And a lot of people I've talked to think he's going to be a fantastic coach. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a fantastic move by the Oilers. It's just the optics, obviously, maybe put even more pressure on Connor McDavid, and that's not a good thing. You know, it just feels like a little bit of the weight of the, 
the world is sometimes on his shoulders, and it's not really fair to him uh, in that respect. But at the same time, you know, maybe this will be like what, what it was when Jay Woodcroft came mm-hmm. over, right? Absolutely. They were 10th or 11th in the West. Jay Woodcroft comes over. They catch lightning in a bottle. They get all the way to the Western Conference Final. So uh, I think that's what they're hoping for. We've seen these mid-stream changes work. Mike Sullivan, of course, in Pittsburgh won a cup doing this, et cetera. We've seen this, you know, Craig Berube uh, in St. Louis. We've seen these coaches taking over midstream and leading teams, you know, new message, new voice, et cetera. Uh, and maybe that's going to be what happens in Edmonton. I, I think, you know, they have finally have a winning streak and there's, there could be some optimism there. So I think we're waiting to see how it all shakes down. And winning will calm everything <laughs> down, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. All the chatter with Connor, all the chatter with Leon, all the chatter with everything. It'll all go away once they start winning. And, and they have, and you could see it yesterday at practice. Uh, you know, yeah. you know and, and to sum this whole thing up, Dave, in one sentence, and this is kind of how I've, I'm summing it up in one sentence. Uh, from what happened, the Oiler, the Oilers players were not okay with the coaching change, but they're okay with the coach coming in, the new coach coming in. They yeah. were they weren't okay with the firing of Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson, but they're okay with the the players are okay with who's coming in. If that makes sense, it, it does. And those yeah. are two separate things. You have empathy uh, on a personal level, on a professional level, for someone who's worked hard and given his all in Jay Woodcroft and. And Manson, they clearly were doing everything in their power to try and correct mm-hmm. what was going wrong this year, and it just wasn't working. Uh, and you feel good for Chris Knobloch. This is a you saw how emotional he was in his press conference. Yeah. It was a beautiful moment when he's talking about his family and and you know the time he's put in and the and you know the fact that he's now getting this great opportunity. So you're right. I think you can compartmentalize the two things. Um, you know, from a PR standpoint, it maybe didn't shake out exactly how the Oilers wanted. But again, that's all. Mm-hmm. None of that will matter if the Oilers start winning and getting back into the playoff chase and living up to the expectations that have been heaped upon them at the start of this year. They're too good a team. They have too many good players. Uh, you know, they just need to to show that. And I think maybe Drysdale having that four point game and and Connor finally getting a goal and yeah. the protective team now has a winning streak going. Maybe this is the turning point. So to me, that's the the most important narrative. All the other stuff will really not matter at the end of the day. Um, because it's a results-oriented business. So that's, that's sort of my feeling on it. And, and um, you know, again, I think some of the internal pressure that maybe the players and everyone are feeling, as you said, maybe it's been mm-hmm. lifted a little bit now that the other shoe has dropped. A tiny bit for sure. Uh, Dave, Boston Bruins, one last one for you. How, can the, how are the Boston Bruins continuing to do this? Well, we know how they're doing it with goaltending and defense, but, man, they got 26 points to lead the NHL. After all the changes last year, uh, just a phenomenal season again so far for the Bees. I'm shocked. I, you know, I know E. Crow on this. Um, <laughs> I make bad predictions pretty much every year, and this, <laughs> this was another one. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Uh, that's how big a <laughs> hole I thought they were left with. You know, up the middle, you lose your captain, and in Bergeron, you lose Krejci. Uh, you, you don't, you're, you know, you aren't able to re-sign all those guys you got at the trade deadline, the Felinos, the Halls, the Orlogs, etc. You, you get rid of them and you just can't afford them, uh, you know, Bertuzzi. And I just thought, not just that, but throw on the fact that they had this crazy playoff series or be a psychological <laughs> hangover. You know, you had a 3-1 series lead, you, you you know, you have the greatest regular season in NHL history and you lose in seven games to the eighth seed in the East and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just assumed all those factors together meant 
this would be the year there would be some regression. And I'm wrong. And, <laughs> you know, you said it, goaltending defense. I mean, maybe Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark are, you know, the best tandem in the league. Like, that's what it's looking like for the second straight year. I, I didn't anticipate this. Um, I don't know. I think one thing, when I talk to people in hockey, they say it's the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of credit needs to be given to Brad Marchand. It needs to be given to David Pasternak, Charlie McAvoy. The, the, the sort of nucleus of that team, when you bring in these young players, Potras comes in there, right, fresh out of CHL uh, and fits right in and is, is, is doing great. You know, they had all these injuries on their blue line. Guys step in. Uh, and they, they're fitting right in and being effective. And it's, I guess, the culture at the top mm-hmm. uh, and how they play the game. Uh, there's expectations there, and guys just buy into it and, and fit those, fill those gaps. You know, whether this is sustainable for 82 games or not, I don't know, Kev, but mm-hmm. um, it's really, really, really impressive. And it's arguably the best story in the NHL you know, so far into this season. You know, Jim Montgomery won the Jack Adams last year. Mm-hmm. He's the front runner to win it this year. You have to mm-hmm. say that. Back-to-back winners of the Jack Adams hasn't happened since the late 80s with, I think, Jacques Demir for Detroit. So it's been a long time that you can sustain yeah. this kind of success. Well, Listen, Rick Tockett, Rick Tockett yeah. will be in that conversation, okay. too. Yeah. And if somehow, listen, if Edmonton can roar up the standings, you know, Chris Nobler will get in there, too. <laughs> like, that's the thing. When people love those kind of crazy come-from-behind stories, and, and that was a big part of Jim Montgomery winning last year, the greatest regular season ever, and his whole personal story as well. So, um, yeah, you're not wrong, though. Jim Montgomery is, mm-hmm. is a hell of a coach, and he's got the team really rolling, and uh, it's fun to see. It's the dad's trip uh, this weekend, oh. so I think Louis DeBrusque will be out there yeah. enjoying himself with the other dads, which is really cool. And um, I'm sure they'll put on a show for them. It's been it's been quite a run for the Boston Bruins so far oh. this year. Hey, DA, thanks for doing this. Get back to that incline bench press. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Take care, Kevin. Be well. Okay. That's Dave Amber from uh, Rogers Sportsnet. Hockey night in Canada. And our headliner, the day four, Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. When we come back, we'll get to some of your texts because we've had a couple of high-profile Hockey Insider guests in the last uh, 40 minutes or so. So we'll get to some of your texts at one 401 1440 Also, give us a call. We'll have some open time on the line if you want. one 401 The Duke will line you up. If you got a question about the Jonas Brothers, send it our way. Still more to come on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Well, it's hard to keep track of all these artists on the uh, morning show on Sports 1440. I mean, it really is because I every time we come into a, a break or go out of a break, and I'm just assuming that it's going to be the Jonas Brothers. And I can't really say that there's a song that I know of the Jonas Brothers. So the Duke is really, he's, he's just mixing me up totally. And now, now you're talking about, so Great Cup is this weekend. We got Green Day playing at halftime. That's correct. In the hammer. That should be wild. Should be rocking. Should be great. So, but also some other acts, some events going on. Yeah, I was just telling you, I if I'm not, I'm just looking it up to confirm. I don't want to sound foolish, yeah, but I, I mean, believe as part of like a fan fest or something, like, Carrie Underwood is playing in Hamilton. What day on I, I'm trying to Saturday confirm maybe? Yeah, that, we'll baby. That. Um, yeah, here we go. Right on the front page. Carrie Underwood. There you go. On Saturday, probably. That I'm not sure. Uh, it's her name's right on the front thing, but I'm uh, struggling to find a date to it. So stay tuned. Stay we'll, tuned for that in we'll, case you were booking your trip out to Hamilton this weekend. So great cup, and again, I, I'm I'm surprised the amount of 
Um, text the amount of people that talk about the Grey Cup around town. And is it because, I mean, we talked about this last week. We we mentioned uh, how many people are mentioning the East and West finals. Even go back to the East and West semifinals. It seems as the week ramps up, we end up talking about it. And a lot of that has to do with our co-host on Fridays, Eddie Steele, does a remarkable job breaking things down. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling the vibe of the Great Cup in Edmonton. I'm not feeling how much people care about it. And is it because of what happened with the Elks last year? What is it? Why is there a certain degree of apathy towards the Grey Cup going on right now? I, I, I can't put my finger on it. As a fan of this league for a long time, albeit, and I will fully admit that the league has lost me in the last several years with things that have happened. Uh, the Elks have definitely lost me with things that have happened. So... It's just been one of those times, I think, where I don't know why. Like, look at all the guests that we have on all, you know, for, for the weeks. On Gregor's show, too. There isn't a big CFL presence. Yesterday yesterday was Randy, um, Ambrosi. Randy Ambrosi's State of the Union address. Some interesting comments coming out of that uh, as well. But, I mean, the main thing is what? To keep Saturday playoff games going? <laughs> So, well, I, I, what drew my attention the most from uh, Ambrosi's comments was um, the the discussion around expansion to the Atlantic provinces, and basically saying, you know, um, make do or get off the pot in, in terms of um, ownership and uh, will they, won't ha- they type thing uh, out in the Atlantic. It's been uh, a pipe dream for years, exactly, right? And so he he's based, and who knows, this could certainly be a, a tactic by the CFL in terms of trying to. Um, gauge legitimate interest by ownership out there of saying, uh, like, are you in or are you not? And so, but it's not it, it's not going to happen out there. Between ownership and then you go to the levels of government, the levels of government are going, we are not even remotely thinking about putting funds into a new stadium, funds for this, to bring in a CFL team. It's not happening out there. It's time for the CFL to just go, this was a pipe dream in Atlantic Canada. Get on with it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen out there. The only place that I could possibly see another CFL team to get it to 10 is in Quebec City. That's it. And that's only because at grassroots football in Quebec and in the college level, in the university level, it's popular. And maybe with the Alouettes having some success, maybe the Alouettes winning a great cup, that can maybe put some fuel to the fire in Quebec. We've been talking about Atlantic Canada since I went out to New Brunswick for Touchdown Atlantic. I was there 13 years ago. That's 13 years ago. It was, it, it was, there's just no way that, like, think about that. That's 13 years ago. Here's a question for you, Kevin. If, uh, like I said, in Canada, it's like, there doesn't seem to be any real viable options just because of legitimate metropolitan size, like area sizes, what would like, and forgive my ignorance Mm -hmm. on actual operations of the CFL. And if this is uh, an actual, like a possibility in any sense, like expanding back to a U.S. market, say a close one in one of these Northern states that does not have uh, an NFL franchise, whether it be in Montana, um, in North Dakota, like one of the, a a border state. Okay. Like, so, is that an option? Is that something that's ever been discussed going back to the United States for the CFL? As long as you, okay, the number one thing that has to happen if 
you were ever to go back to have one more franchise in, I don't even know, where, like, let's think of a city. Are you thinking something like Coeur d'Alene in Idaho? I don't know. It's somewhere out east, somewhere in northeastern United States, in yeah, Maine, like, like Maine, Vermont. In Maine, somewhere. First of all, those cities want nothing to do with <laughs> Canadian football. Those states, nothing to do with Canadian football. Then the, the, the main thing that I have that happened in, 19, in the mid-90s when they went to this, the main reason that the Baltimore Stallions won the Grey Cup in 1995 is because they didn't have to handle and, and go uh, through with the Canadian labor laws. They said, oh, no, 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 we're an American team. We don't have to have imports. They ran all American players, all American players on that championship team. So if that changes, I mean, is that there's no way you can go through that again. Because it was an unfair advantage. They ran American players out on their entire roster. Text coming in, one 401 AZ says, I wouldn't sell Saskatoon short. <laughs> I feel like you could make something work there. It's tough to divide the fan base in Saskatchewan, however. Not a sniff that would ever happen in Saskatoon. It's Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and that's it. Ryan says, those states have college football. None of those cities are big anyways. No one would show up to the games. How is that different than a lot of cities in Canada that do have bigger... Like, Americans love football. I'm not saying that you would... Mm -hmm. Like, you can't go in and try and compete with a legitimate Div 1 Power 5 program or something. Like, you're not rolling into Columbus, Ohio and trying to, like, draw crowds away from the Ohio State. But... Like, I mean, why not? I, I don't know. I mean, it, and, and like I wasn't saying that I think that's a good idea. I'm just throwing out ideas based off of Ambrosi's comments yesterday that's, that say, yeah, like we're running out of uh, patience with the Atlantic option. And as you say, Kevin, it's probably not realistic because there's not enough um, invested from the government, from a legitimate owner. And, and just to wrap up the, what started this whole conversation, the, the Great Cup weekend, um, Carrie Underwood, fri- <laughs> Friday night in Hamilton. See, I would go to that. Oh, who wouldn't? Well, Carrie yeah. Underwood? Yes. Lord help me. Oh, um, And then Shaggy on Thursday night. Do you know who Shaggy no. is, Kevin? No, never heard uh, of him. It wasn't me. Is it a That's a great rapper? Uh, yeah, I think he technically qualifies as a hip-hop oh. artist. So that's on Saturday in the Hammer? No, th- Shaggy is Thursday. Oh, okay. Uh, Spirit of Edmonton, Thursday yeah. and Friday as well, which it's, it's crazy that that still plays such a big role, even when it's in a different market, but mm-hmm. that's a, a huge draw every every year at the Great Cup. We'll get Jerry Haraxi on from the Spirit of Edmonton tomorrow. How's sure. that sound? That sounds I, great. They should be, well, they're probably on their way out. I was at, you know, I talked to another guy that's uh, from here, Bruce Kelty, who started the Spirit of Edmonton. It's like 50 years ago. He's been at every Great Cup in, for 50 years. That's a hard living, man. And Bruce Kelty's done a remarkable job, and he's had a lot of fun at all these great cups. I hope you're listening, Bruce. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jerry Haraxi will get him on and uh, to talk about the spirit of Edmonton. Wherever the spirit of Edmonton goes, it's probably one of the high, one of the main reasons that the spirit of Edmonton consistently is a massive draw is price point, where all these other you know, rooms and, you know, they go throughout the city at Grey Cup. And if you haven't been to a Grey Cup, go. It's it's Canadiana. It's one of the few times that you can just do, let yourself go, let yourself loose. It's a lot of fun. You meet people from all over the country that come together for this weekend. One of the funniest, not, not one of the best things about the Grey Cup, still, every year there's a group of Baltimore fans that come up and they, they hang around 
and they they love the CFL and those fans when they won in 1995, just amazing. Text coming in, uh, Tom from Drayton Valley. I used to love the CFL, but since COVID, they've just kind of lost their luster. Not just because of the Elks have been awful, but the whole league has just lost its fun. Even an NFL game can be completely boring, but it's fun to watch Tom from Drayton Valley. Pillman says, I like the Montana idea for CFL. John Dutton, GM. <laughs> Kevin Costner, uh, ambassador for the new uh, the Montana Yellowstones. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, size, one- the size of city is is a concern, especially in a place like Montana, because the cities that would be big enough to house a team okay. do still. It, they're, they're not great programs, but they have college football programs that are still um, like the, the local people adore them. They live for it. AZ comes in. Why can't a CFL team combine with the Halifax Wanderers? So that's of the CPL. Use help upgrade their grounds and get to 10k seats. CPL team sells out 5k every second week. Is 10k seats enough for a CFL franchise? Absolutely not. You have to have 20,000 seats minimum. You have to have at least 20,000. Like, what are we at here? Do you want to just have 10,000 at a game? First of all, it's not sustainable to run a franchise. <laughs> Uh, 5K for a CPL game every second week. I guess that's okay. I don't know. I mean, it didn't work here. CPL didn't work here. Soccer hasn't worked in Edmonton for since the drillers left. And that was a tough time too. So 8.54 at the top of the hour, our co-host, David Schlemko, shortly arriving. I've been texting Schlemmer over the course of the week. Remember we had the conversation about uh, why teams don't force or flush out a D-man behind the net? Well, it just seems every time it's a clear breakout, clean breakout. Every time that happened, I just sent a text to Schlemmer. See? Exclamation mark. Finally, he figured out what I was talking about. Uh, before Schlemmer at the top of the hour, time for a Sports 1440 update. Here is the Duke.